Gaslight was a 1944 movie starring Ingrid Bergman about a woman whose husband slowly manipulates her into believing that she's literally going crazy. He said I was going out of my mind. You're not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. But why? Why? The term has gone on to be used to describe a situation where someone sows self-doubt and confusion into someone's mind, making them doubt themselves rather than trust their own instincts and perceptions. You may have heard the term medical gaslighting, which alludes to this scenario. Many women have had the experience of complaining to their doctor about certain symptoms in an effort to get help, but instead are dismissed and are told, it's probably stress, or don't worry about it, isn't anything serious, or even, it's just hormones. Hi, I'm Dr. Mitzi Crockover. Welcome to Beyond the Paper Gown. I'm doing something a little different today in that I wanted to talk to you directly about something that many of us, myself included, have experienced in the doctor's office, having our symptoms and worries dismissed. The problem, as you might guess, is that there could be something serious, even when the symptom doesn't fit into a usual pattern that the doctor might know about. For example, one of the guests on our podcast was Caitlin Christine, founder of Gabby, an app that predicts breast cancer risk. At the age of 22, Caitlin felt a lump in her breast. Her mother had been recently diagnosed in her 40s with breast cancer. Caitlin was told by her physician she was probably stressed or anxious because of her mother's diagnosis and that she was too young to have breast cancer. She had to fight to get an imaging test and genetic testing. She found she was positive for the BRCA mutation, which put her in a high-risk category for breast cancer and ovarian cancer and at a younger age than women without the mutation. She underwent prophylactic mastectomy and oophorectomy, removing her breasts and ovaries in an attempt to prevent the cancers. The surgery uncovered that she did, in fact, have breast cancer. Fibromyalgia is a condition characterized by trigger point pain, fatigue, and depression, and it was called empty nest syndrome when I was in medical school because it primarily affects middle-aged women who presumably were blue because their children had grown and left home. In fact, it's a complex syndrome that presents in a number of ways and requires a multimodal approach. I had a patient with fibromyalgia who was working for a large company who came to me to convince the company physician that she truly was affected by this syndrome so that she could adjust her duties at work to accommodate her medical condition. He didn't believe the problem existed, even though it's one of the most common causes of disability. And because we don't have a test for it, many doctors think it's something psychological. I could go on and on. There are syndromes such as interstitial cystitis, which causes pelvic pain and urinary frequency. It's hard to diagnose and it's very debilitating. Many women go for years getting treated for urinary tract infections even though they don't have them. They may feel like they're crazy if their doctors don't understand the diagnosis. Women with endometriosis may have chronic pelvic pain that may be hard to diagnose. The average woman goes to seven doctors before getting a diagnosis. And it's not just men dismissing symptoms. A colleague who was going through the intake process with one of the telehealth women's health companies knew she had symptoms of perimenopause. But when she told the female intake nurse, the nurse insisted she was too young for menopause. She didn't acknowledge her symptoms of perimenopause and told her that her symptoms were likely due to stress. So why is this happening? Are these doctors just sexist or uncaring? I truly don't believe that's the case in many instances. Rather, it's a good example of the challenges we face in women's health. 
We don't have enough research data on women and on women's issues, and that results in a knowledge gap in medical training. So when a woman comes to the doctor with symptoms that don't fit into a condition that the provider has been taught about, he or she has no good answer. And even when answers do become available, many doctors unfortunately don't always keep up with many of these issues. Also, I really believe it's kind of a cultural thing. Think of it. Doctors don't get rewarded for saying, I don't know. And in fact, it's looked down upon. Pre-med courses are competitive. And once you get into medical school, an I don't know can affect your grades. As residents, you're asked to present cases in front of attending physicians and your fellow trainees. Saying, I don't know, makes you look incompetent. And then in the office, physicians may think saying, I don't know, undermines a patient's trust in them and their skills. It took me a while to acknowledge to my patients that I didn't know all the answers. But then it was my duty to find the answer or explain why the answers weren't there. I found that acknowledging a patient's experience and then saying, I don't know or I'm not sure, started a lot of great conversations. And I wish more doctors would engage with their patients in that way. I think it lays the foundation for more trust, not less. So what should you do if you're not getting the answers you need or you're feeling dismissed? First, be as specific as you can about your symptoms. When does a symptom occur? When did it first start? Are there things that make it worse or better? Does it affect your daily activities? And don't bring up your complaint at the end of a session. And if possible, make a specific appointment to address it. You know, physicians do have limited time, so you want to make sure you have ample time to address your issue. You may have to do your own research, and if you do, you must make sure you're getting information from credible sources. This is where bringing in your findings to your doctor so the two of you can discuss the information comes in really handy. Your provider can then tell you why he or she thinks it is or isn't applicable to your situation. And if you're concerned that it might be something serious, let the doctor know what your worst fear is and expect that he or she can tell you if that is a possible consideration and why or why not. And if you feel dismissed, say something. If you can, ask for a referral. And yes, stress and mental health are key issues, especially for women, and they can contribute to how we experience pain and illness. But they should be considered a factor, not a reason, unless everything else has been ruled out. And if your symptoms don't improve or they keep coming back, don't give up. Do your research. Find another doctor. Consult an advocacy organization. You're not crazy. Unfortunately, the health system and the way that our providers have been trained has not always served us well. But here's the good news. Remember the story I told you about Caitlin Christine at the beginning of the podcast? She took her experience and developed an app that uses an algorithm to predict breast cancer, especially in younger women, so that others would not have to go through the same kind of experience she had to. And there are a number of women who have channeled their own frustrations about lack of data and answers for their health issues and created solutions for their own challenges. They have created companies so that we'll have more answers for more women in the years to come. We've highlighted many of these innovators on our podcast, and I hope you'll take a listen. I also hope you'll share your own experience with gaslighting with us, as well as the ways you found to get the answers you needed. You can listen to the podcast and share on our forums at beyondthepapergown.com. As always, thank you for listening.
Our podcast is produced by Patrick Shambayati and me, and our associate producer is Kyla McMillian.